Hi, welcome to Funny Tinged. I'm Seema. I'm Naima. And this week we're talking about how COVID-19 has affected ethnic minority communities. Recent reports have shown that those hardest hit by the COVID-19 virus has been those within the Black, Asian and minority ethnic communities. This came after Labour called for an urgent investigation as to why this might be. As we witnessed this pandemic unravelling, we wanted to take a moment to reflect on the real reasons why this is the case, from the perspective of people of colour. Apparently, it turns out that 35% of people that are critically ill are from Black or minority backgrounds. 35%. 35%. Considering that there's only like 14% of the entire UK population is Black and minority background, I think that is pretty shocking. Yeah, because when we talked about it, you had to kind of break it down for me because I was like, but it's only 35%. And not only, but so really more white people are dying. But then when you said that 13% of the population to make up for minorities, then actually it's really disproportionate. Mm -hmm. So we are seeing more of our community dying than probably the white community are. Yeah. If you talk about the entire population of the UK, right? Mm. Uh, In England and Wales, 14% of black and minority. It's a big big figure. Um, It is, considering 14%. (laughs) It's like, what? Uh, um, Yeah, it doesn't actually balance out. It's a bit odd. For for people of colour, it's been um, it's been a difficult journey to get into where we are, but now we're actually seeing the, the sort of people dying. And you mentioned that was it Gardens of Peace? Yeah, and was like bombarded with just mass burials. Is that right? Yeah, they've got a lot of burials that they're dealing with right now. Yeah, and see, we don't really see that the impact of it here up north again. So there's a massive disproportion with that as well. Yeah. Um, but actually, in actual fact, people of colour are dying more yeah. so than, than white people in, in the community, although there are people dying in the white community as well. It's just a mass sort of pandemic, right? But um, yeah, I think... Two messages a day. You, yeah, you mentioned that. Two messages a day, right? Like, like on average, that is. <laughs> of people dying. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. And that's like Muslim people. <laughs> yeah. So same with um, our other friend, Shen, who's from London. She said she's kind of like at a point where she doesn't like to open messages up because she's just really scared of what it's going to say. We've had our fair few, but um, definitely not anywhere near two a day. So just to set the scene for the listeners, because I know we have got quite a mixture, um, but for the ones up north, you know, they're saying that our peak hasn't even arrived yet mm. and um and we are expecting a similar kind of wave there's a lot of things that play into it yeah. um, and that's what we're gonna that's kind of what we want to delve into in today's episode really so i think we should just get into it Seema, you picked out a really interesting point which was oh, the labor thing labor. Yeah. The yeah i it's really interesting that the investigation was led by labor considering mm-hmm. we are we don't actually have a Labour Labour government right now. Yeah, like it was suggested or it was kind yeah, of pushed. The, yeah. the numbers actually came out after like Labour called for a, like an urgent investigation, apparently. Yeah. As to why it is black and minority backgrounds that are being heavily affected by coronavirus. 
So, um, yeah, I thought that was really odd. And actually, I was reading about how there's, right now, like, I don't know about if you know much about, like, other businesses and companies, but they've, like, most other businesses and companies right now across the globe, since, like, last year, have had to put, like, a, a, a racial equality person into their, like, HR department and then their boards, right? Like, so, like, loads of fashion houses have done it, Gucci, like, Armani, everyone, like, they've all got somebody who, they've employed someone new or they've recruited something or someone just so that they can have somebody in place to have that representation, make sure everything is equal in their workplace. Um, our government doesn't actually have a racial equality minister. Well, I don't, I'm not surprised because it's, it's a Tory government. Oh. I thought that if Labour would have, would have been in power, we would have seen that immediately <laughs> quite, quite fitting um to be honest of boris and his yeah. kind of, um, well, I think this whole this whole situation like there's um the chair of the race disparity audit group um apparently he's he was trying to um he's using this opportunity to sort of push it forward so that we actually have a minister in place like, why? Every other business. Why does this need to be pushed? Like it should just be done. Oh know? yeah, no, we have to have people dying for this to be put into place. Exactly. And then it's like, oh, maybe we should have somebody to who will be able to explain to us why this is happening. It's a shocker, honestly. Definitely, but I mean, just being from, just being a person of color, I think we know that there is just way more to this than than what meets the eye anyway. Yeah, for sure. Lots of factors play into why our communities have been hit hard, but there are a few that stuck out to us the most. Firstly, the fact that BAME community makes up one in five people who work within the NHS in England, and this number goes up when we talk about doctors specifically. I did a little bit of an experiment, you call it an experiment. I don't, I don't know if it's going to work on you, but if you just shut your eyes and um, and take this seriously, you don't try and like, be a okay, smart. I'm only going to close my eyes, I promise. Yeah. And, and even for the listeners, this Zoom conversation, <laughs> I should have worn makeup. But <laughs> if you just, I mean, I just thought I, when I shut my eyes and um, think about uh, a, a doctor in scrubs, like blue scrubs. Like um, what? What do you picture? This is a famous. Um, oh, is it? Is yeah. it? <laughs> this is me you're talking to. Psychological I'm gonna know about it. <laughs> this is not. I just came up with this because I was okay. Well, you should be seeing a white person, right? And um, anyway, if you're not, good for you. Sorry, a rude experiment. Wait, let me play along. Go. Well, it's too late now. I've told you. But generally speaking, now it, it happened for me. I was just thinking about. I was thinking about. Um, the clap for heroes and uh, so my street's full of a lot of white people and um, our cousins were mentioning um, how in their kind of um, areas where they're living it's predominantly Asian and not a lot of people are coming out they wanted to know why it was and that kind of thing and I was kind of wondering why the, com- the country voted for a racist prime minister but then are coming out and standing and clapping for immigrants and um, ethnic minority people of colour are they really clapping for that or are they clapping for something that they think in their mind is a white person and I genuinely think it is that I think they don't realize that the numbers in the NHS are so 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 so. now 45% of doctors 
are from black or minority backgrounds. Right, That's okay. Basically half. And again, when we talk about the proportion of the UK. 50-50. Well, okay, 45. But then if you, if you, if you, but then I just, I wanted to like check my experiment that I made up. I don't care what you say. <laughs> I made up. Um, I went on Google and I typed in NHS doctor, clicked on images and scrolled down. No they were all white bar like two. Oh I my. This, this and crazy. then I clicked on NHS doctor's cartoon images and I scrolled and it was basically apart from a few, it was majority white. And I just found that, that was so interesting because it's so false. It's wow. actually one in five people who make up um, the NHS will be an ethnic minority. And like you said, the proportion goes up when it's doctors, right? Mm. So the fact that the government on... Not just often, slightly, 45%. Yeah, not slightly, 45%. So that's almost half. And, um, and yet, when we close our eyes and think of a doctor, we think of a white one. Yeah. So I think it's all a bit messed up. But I think that the reason why the government aren't providing adequate PPE and aren't funding the NHS, I, I just think it correlates a lot wow. with the fact that the people on the front line are people of colour. Yeah. And are, I just think lives are not valued as much as white lives. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's deep. I mean, if you think of the first 10 people, doctors who died. Yeah, they were from BAME communities. Yeah, and not just BAME, they were like immigrants. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and, you know, in the current climate that we're living in, which is like the Brexit climate or post-Brexit, mm. um, it's just it just shows that how much of the backbone of the country is made up by people of color mm. um but obviously like the pp situation is a big reason as to why like a lot of ethnic minorities um medical workers are, are dying because yeah. they're not adequately equipped and it's not been a priority and you mentioned something you mentioned something about resourcing i was saying about how surely if after brexit the whole point of Brexit was that we we stopped like we started to take things in house, uh, business and production started to do it in house within this country. Then surely, right now would have been an opportunity, even though it's like urgent and we'd have to quickly set up. But Burberry managed to quickly change their industry into one that was producing PPE equipment. When surely we could be able to do, we should be able to do that more with other companies here in the UK. Yet we're still shipping it across from China. So I'm like, why not? Why are we not producing our own? Rather than, yeah, rather than buying it from other countries. I just think, of course, there's an importance that's put on NHS workers, but I'd be interested to know if the percentage of workers in the NHS was predominantly white, just white, how, the, how, how there would have been a shift in the importance of this PPE equipment, because actually, um, there's been talks of like people using bin bags, like for equipment, yeah. and it's just we're so we're we're meant to be like one of those advanced countries, mm-hmm. and yet we're seeing we're seeing that we're not. When and we need we need these neighbouring countries to help us, like Turkey to help us, and all these other European countries. And I wonder if we were part of the EU right now, how that would have had an impact on us as well. But yeah, like so, this is a massive reason as to why 
we're seeing um seems more. like we're worse off than a lot of the other european countries no and and this is why we're seeing obviously more people more nhs workers dying because they're not adequately equipped therefore they're dying and they the ethnic minorities make up a large portion of the NHS and so obviously I mean it's not actually the majority I don't even think it is NHS a lot of it is other just other people working in frontline jobs too mm-hmm. so yeah I mean but that was another factor that we brought up we're going to go into that a little bit later I mean apparently we can't even like drop off equipment to hospitals if we purchase it because it's not like government I don't know, regulated or it doesn't yeah. meet government regulations. But then, does a bin bag? One factor that we've experienced firsthand is culture and tradition, which has played a huge part in our behaviours towards this pandemic. We talked about it in our previous podcast, the yeah. relationship that our communities have with the government. Yeah, like a massive distrust anyway, and so um, and then there's the conspiracy theories that follow, which kind of like sit more comfortably with our community than the government telling us to look after ourselves because they said so because they've never really had our sort of interests at their heart. Mm. Um, so that plays a massive, massive kind of role in it. But aside from the distrust, um, I think that our cultures and our religious beliefs have played a part in us taking this more lightly. Do you think that still? Yeah, I still do because I still... Affecting this, I think there has been a shift in behaviour and for me I believe that it's possibly because of the fact that people are getting two messages a day about somebody who is dying. So when you when you actually are, are seeing and experiencing it firsthand, it kind of gives you a shift of, oh shit, like I need to wash my back because I don't want to, I also don't want to be affected by this. When I say like cultures and traditions, um, I still know that there's been like mixing of households and that kind of thing where people want to get like Ramadan preparations done um, or if people are going to visit ill people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sick people, which is kind of counterproductive, um, and but it's also counterintuitive not to visit them in our culture. So it's kind of like a catch. Twenty-two. Like I said again, faith. For me, we believe that everything happens for a reason. So I guess like they're kind of taking their chances with it a bit more, which is which is fine from a faith point of view. Uh, but obviously, the result of that will be that we are then risking ourselves a bit more than maybe those who aren't faith-based i actually think that this we probably have struggled and been slower to adapt still like i said that there's been a change in behaviors but i don't think that it's been that massive i think that well mainly because we're so used to constantly being in around other people and like it's a very, a very normal thing like I was speaking to my dad about this the other day and he was saying you know I've noticed I hear that it's apparently affecting black and minority ethnic communities more and I you know I was saying to him well realistically we're used to being around each other we mm. are, we are used to families where you potentially have three generations living in a, in a home and it's not unusual we're used to having close relationship with our siblings in-laws our siblings in-laws even you know and, and yeah, that's well. a very very normal thing it's not always the case in other communities but very heavily is in ours so for us to step out of that norm 
it has, of course is a massive culture shift yeah it's a culture shift but also communities especially yeah. white communities in this country that's very normal to not see yeah, it, it is normal until a holiday or whatever yeah, or <laughs> every week exactly yeah i mean you know it's a bit of a generalization it is and i think most people could agree there's also like a, sh- a generational shift so you've, you've got like your elders who might be just like everything's fine just carry on as normal and then you might have like their kids who are um don't you think it's like the opposite way around now more so that like because it's affecting the older people more they're the ones who are being more careful and the younger ones are the ones Um, i don't think i don't i think like in terms of staying indoors and sticking to the rules i think that the younger people are still able to kind of digest that better than the but but that elder community but i think there's a language barrier so for us it's been so unclear about the rules anyway everything's been wishy-washy anyway every all the messages that have come from the government haven't been like clear cut so then on top of that you've got your language barriers because they haven't had anyone to interpret that and and community leaders to voice that to the elder community who might not be like English as their first language or whatever. So it's harder for them to then comprehend what's going on when there's that language barrier. They're just basically like blindly following really. Like, yeah. Because some people just don't speak English. Mm-hmm. And then to explain this situation, which has been really hard to understand and comprehend even for us who are English speaking, and as a nation, and then to stick to the rules, not even really, really comprehending what's going on around you because you don't, you don't understand the language. It must be hard. I, I actually think like the distrust now filters more down to the younger people, especially where the government is concerned. Yeah, there's because of like the, the voting statistics and the number of people that like, uh, uh, you know, even with Brexit, like the, there was it was more the older people that had voted it. All, all of this, we have less faith in our government. So I think there is still that element of why should I listen to what they have to tell me? Statistically, <laughs> keep bringing them in. Um, well, this is a very statistical podcast. <laughs> Twenty-five to thirty-five-year-olds um, apparently are the ones who are struggling the most with um, coming to terms with this whole lockdown situation, whereas older people are more accepting of it. Um, and it, again, it, it could be a lifestyle thing because you kind of get used to when you're retired or you're older, you've, you've gotten used to having more time alone without connecting with people at work and stuff so you know that there is that but i find it really hard but i have stuck to the rules yeah where it's like i know like i said because you it's almost like we've lost a lot of respect for our government and when you don't agree with the government that has been voted in it's almost even harder (laughs) Yeah, yeah but i don't do you know what i mean i don't agree i think i don't know well you don't agree uh, with the government <laughs> no i don't agree with the government who are in power like i don't like I don't, yeah <laughs> yeah but you agree with a lot yeah so again you know this kind of culture and tradition means that we're putting ourselves more at risk yeah i was reading about the, um, the bangladeshi community and about how like 15 percent of bangladesh uh bangladeshi people live in overcrowded housing as opposed to two percent who of the white community wow yeah which could be a a factor that plays into why 
Oh, this is spreading. Yeah, because it can oh, spread. Yeah, and especially if those people are then key workers. Yeah, well, exactly. You'll have like one key worker potentially in that house. And yeah, because you know, we are one in five of the NHS workers. Yeah, exactly. So it's likely that like you're going to have these households that have got maybe like 10 plus people living inside and one out of two out of those 10 people will be like key workers. Mm. And so that whole household is then compromised, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's mad, really. Statistics show ethnic minorities are somewhat disproportionately poorer in comparison to their white peers, meaning that they've had less choice in working, often are in front-facing vital roles, and are therefore exposed to COVID without the luxury of being able to take a step back from it. We are at a disadvantage because we've had less time in this country than our white peers. Yeah. Therefore, we've got less, um, less, less money, ultimately, less wealth. Um, and even though we seem, there are areas that are affluent across, or, or there are like a lot of ethnic minorities working in affluent roles or NHS workers and so on, the wealth element of it is still not proportionate. So you might have a doctor in the family, but whose parents are immigrants who have a poorer background, whereas you might have a white family whose family have acres of land and inherited lots from their predecessors and then whose son is also a doctor. So that's the disproportion that we're talking about. Yeah, and think about how like, you know, obviously there's a lot of people who would have to, potentially can't even self-isolate because they're in these difficult situations. Because mm. they, they firstly, they have to go to work because they can't afford, if they get sick, like I've heard interviews with people who are like, well, if I'm if I get sick, I genuinely will just have to take a pill and go to work because I need to buy food for my family uh, because we can't afford to survive otherwise. But also, like living in a really crowded house, like we were talking about earlier, you might not even be able to safely self isolate if you're like sharing a room or something. You can't. It's not really physically possible, is it? Yeah. It's not like you're going to be living in a mansion as well if it's like an overcrowded house. It's an overcrowded house, isn't it? The key workers, though, like the bus drivers, the taxi drivers, the cleaners, because the cleaners are still being called in to clean the hospitals, the disinfectant teams, they're all people who, people of colour. It's not a choice that they have, it's not a luxury that they've got to be able to take a step back and say, right, you know what, I'm going to take unpaid leave for three months or whatever, because unfortunately, like, they need to pay the bills or they, they've got, like, that's their bread and butter yeah it is a shame and again this is it just shows the structural um issues that we have already with BAME communities and poverty and how it's affecting it's been like this for a while and it still is the case and now it's actually in this situation it's affecting lives yeah yes it shows now it's, it's showing in the statistics it's showing the number of deaths like i said it, it isn't a small uh, feat like 35% is a, a big proportion. I just think that there is a massive correlation between the amount of poverty and the struggles that people are having and the lack of white privilege that people have. So they have to yeah. be working in, in jobs that are, you know, there might be key working jobs. A lot of them aren't well-paying jobs, you know, minimum wage or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, know. they're doing the jobs that no one else wants to do, do you know what I mean? <laughs> the ones that are the most valuable and the ones that are everybody needs to have yeah 
everyone else is trying to survive. So yeah. Yeah. We talk about the effects of the poverty now or the effects of lack of opportunity. But then it kind of reminds me of the fact that like if you've got like an Asian or black sounding name or anything like that, you're less likely to get interviewed for a job, etc. etc. And it all plays a massive part in in stuff like this when 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 a pandemic occurs or or anything like a crisis situation yeah that's when we feel it with the lack of funding you have a lack of um, capabilities of being able to find uh better resources to stay healthy anyway Mm -hmm. ultimately you you lose out on a better quality of life so you have a more stressful life it's not like we're asking for handouts but i think we just want equal opportunities Mm. and equality equal wealth distribution etc when this all ends things go back to how they were Mm. and we need to see a shift in white privilege culture that we've got there is this thing about how people from South Asian backgrounds have a higher prevalence of diabetes and heart disease and how it can, that can have a real, um, that can be an underlying issue that can affect your, how you cope with COVID-19. I think, see, again, it's another, another thing that we need to sort of keep an eye on, but manage within ourselves, but also I think as a whole, as a country or as with, even within the NHS, like making this whole understanding of, of health, how to manage it, and giving access to the BAME community. It's just one of those things that we need to uh, be doing more. Yeah, you were meant to mention this earlier, but yeah, our lifestyles also play a massive factor into why we're more at risk. Ultimately, like that's something that's self-inflicted, but our diets and our choice of... um, Self-inflicted? well yeah like you, if you if you can't if you're if you're already disadvantaged and are then poorer because of the fact that you are don't have the advantage of white privilege and so you're going to have to take lesser jobs then potentially you don't have as much money you know it costs three times the cost of eating something healthy than eating something unhealthy in this country no yeah but by self-inflicted i mean the dishes that we choose to make you know the salt that we choose to pour into our curries. I mean, the oil we use. does everybody eat? Because I mean, <laughs> it's okay. No, it's no, you know what I mean. In that sense, yeah, but you've got, you've got a valid point. Um, in in the sense that if you're poor, you're not going to be able to afford to eat healthier. That's Three true. times the cost. Three times the cost. That's yeah. that's again. It's a it's a big difference. Yeah, like I avoid buying organic fruit, fruit sometimes because it's more expensive. There you go. Exactly. And and so you know, if you're if you're already disadvantaged financially, you're not. You have to survive. Yeah. Rather go. You're gonna buy the eighty nine p pack of bananas rather than the two pound pack of bananas. Yeah. Like like you said though, if if it is self inflicted, and, and you know it is something we we need to learn to manage to what we need to manage better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even think of it from a from a poverty point of view. So so yeah, it's true actually. Maybe it's not our fault. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We hope you're all staying safe during this time and maintaining distance for the love and safety of those around us. Make sure you take the time to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. If you enjoyed listening, share it with someone you speak to this week. Maybe they'll appreciate some new voices in their home. Thanks for listening, guys.